0: Today's episode of The Break Room is sponsored by the Medical Society of Virginia. Today, physicians must be business people, insurance experts, community leaders, and regulatory watchdogs. The Medical Society of Virginia, together with their insurance agency, foundation, and political action committee, work with their members to ensure that Virginia is the best place in which to practice medicine and receive care. To learn more, visit www.msv.org. Welcome back to The Break Room, episode three. I'm your host, Alexis Murray. More than half of physicians say they feel burned out, so today we're addressing the very important topic of physician burnout with Dr. Keith Fernandez. We'll hear more about his experience as a doctor and the advice that he gives to the many physicians that he works with. The only thing that never changes in healthcare is change itself, and we're here to keep you in the know. Today's guest is Dr. Keith Fernandez, senior physician executive at Privia. He's here today to talk about his new blog post, Doctors Make Lousy Secretaries, how clerical work is ruining our profession. Dr. Fernandez served as the president and physician-in-chief of the Memorial Hermann Physician Network and chief medical officer of the number one ACO in the country, Memorial Hermann. He is board certified in internal medicine, gastroenterology and hepatology and was in private practice for over 30 years. He is a member of the Joint Commission Stakeholder Group on Clinically Integrated Networks, AHA Blue Ribbon Panel on Physician Governance, Texas Medical Association Committee on Accountable Care, and a fellow of the American College of Gastroenterology. Let's turn it over to Dr. Fernandez. Hi, Dr. Fernandez. How are you doing today?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Good, thanks so much for joining us. So we have you here to talk about your new blog post that you wrote for a previous healthcare blog on physician burnout. Um, We wanna talk about the topic of physician burnout and how doctors can combat it. Uh, But before we we sort of dive into that, um, you know, you have a very impressive resume. You were the chief medical officer for the number one ACO in the country. You worked at Memorial Hermann. You went private practice for over 30 years. Um, So let's, you know, go back to the beginning. What really motivated you to work in healthcare in the first place?
1: Um, Well, when I was uh, a relatively young man, I went to college and I was a Russian lit major. I thought I'd be a translator and an interpreter and eventually a Russian literature professor. And somewhere in that journey, my father had a, a father-son conversation with me and told me um, maybe I should consider something um, that is, was more fitting to my personality. And he said, you know, I, uh, you were always kind of a do-gooder and took well, watched out for people who didn't have as much as you or who were being bullied or stuff like that and he said why don't you be a doctor and it was a very strange thing because my father rarely gave me any any uh, advice that i took and immediately for some reason it just clicked and i thought you know he's probably right and i switched my major from russian lit to chemistry and uh, did all the stuff required to be uh, you know uh, a medical student and uh, finally graduated and went to medical school so, really, when you get right down to it, I became a doctor because I like uh, helping people.
0: And as a practice physician, you know what was your motivator? Was that just sort of desire to help people? what kept you going day in and day out? Because being a doctor, obviously, you know it's not an easy job.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a good question because uh, it is a tough job in a lot of ways, and it's very different from almost any other job. Um, I think it has a a couple of really critical features that other people generally don't get. One of them, as a doctor, is you get kind of automatic respect and uh, a a kind of acceptance of a relationship, even from the first time you meet a patient. When a patient comes to see you, they tell you things that they, they likely won't tell other people. And they also let you examine them, which there's almost no other profession where people would allow, you know, a stranger to actually put their hands on them uh, to find out what was wrong. Um, So it's a very trusting relationship almost uh, from the beginning. And, of course, that means it's an important one. Uh, Anything that involves that much trust means you better really take care of it. The profession itself, I think a lot of people know, is a highly respected uh, profession, even with all the change in health care and sometimes uh, some of the kind of scary things about the dangers in health care with uh, complications in hospitals and all that kind of stuff. There still is a very high regard for physicians, Um, and so it's a special uh, kind of profession. Um, And then... You know, there's, uh, there are two things that I think also differentiate us, and things that we do um, both save people and occasionally kill them. So it's really um, a profession where you have to be as careful as you can be uh, uh, with the people you take care of, and, and uh, it puts us, again, in a special category. It's a very, very uh, tough job because of that.
0: With your latest blog post um, titled Doctors Make Lousy Secretaries, How Clerical Workers Ruining Our Profession, you know, what was the inspiration behind that? You're our senior phys- physician executive here at Privia. You're clearly working with doctors day in and day out. So what are you seeing from doctors that motivated you to write about physician burnout?
1: Yeah, so I think the the, the situation with doctors nowadays is that they're, the demands on them are increasing uh, exponentially, there are more and more demands made upon doctors, and there has been an attitude in healthcare that when something else needs to be done, um, you ac- actually uh, expect the doctor to do it, which I think is uh, very, very misguided. I think many of the things that we're being asked to do really are um, not not requiring the expertise of a physician. For instance, if certain things have been done to a patient, does a physician need to actually be the one who records it? They're the one who needs to look at it, make sure it's correct. Certainly, they're the ones who need to make any orders for care um, uh, are appropriate and correct. But actually, you know, entering information into a, a computerized system makes doctors a little bit like typists. So, a doctor sitting there first of all and they're being asked to do work that really doesn't involve their expertise it doesn't, it doesn't make you you know proud to be a good typer uh, if you're a physician um, then there are all these rules that have occurred both in billing uh, and in managing patients uh, that it's really very hard to keep up with they're rarely the type of rules that doctors might have come up with uh, and so they're a, a little bit strange and. I think uh, we all kind of are doing our job to re- record quality measures, but there's very little belief and very little evidence that many of those measures that we have to to, to record or perform actually benefit a patient. I think there are multiple articles now showing that, uh, you know, of the 30 30 plus quality measures in a Medicare Shared Savings Program, there are only a few of them that actually uh, determine a better outcome for the patient. So, Lots of extra activity that is not uh, doctor related. Uh, A lot of rules and regulations that may or may not help a patient. A lot of uh, uh, compliance issues and regulations and frankly, mystery around billing um, that doctors have to put up with. Uh, And I think this takes away from the profession itself. It puts the doctor outside of his area of expertise. That increases stress. Um, and I personally think all of this has diverted the attention of physicians away from taking care of the patient. You expend so much time entering stuff into an electronic medical record, very often the patient barely sees you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's, a, that's probably the most uh, negative thing about all of this as patients expect they've put you in this position of trust. you can make them, help them live longer. And you can also do things that sometimes hurt them. They let you touch them uh, to examine them for what might be wrong. They've put you into this big position and there you are behind a computer hardly even looking at them. Um, So I think think it's a big negative. It takes the doctor's joy away from the practice of medicine. And that's what I've seen with thousands of doctors. Uh, When I talk about this with large groups of doctors, the most Obvious physical reaction I get is when I talk about um, this sort of thing, and I, I see the doctors get very angry, upset, and sometimes uh, laugh hysterically if it's if it's something that's fairly funny. But it's a very emotional thing for them, and they just don't like it.
0: So, in your blog post, you touch on that subject of having to redirect your energy from patient load to technical admin work. Um, In the post you write, my partners and I were forced to fill that time typing, and while typing was a pain, pointing and clicking was even worse. So obviously this post is written to be comic relief, but there is some truth to that. So can you talk with us about what that transition was like, particularly when you've been practicing medicine in a certain way, and when policies like ICD-10 go into effect, you know, what is that like on a physician's workload?"
1: Yeah, I think it just was another, you know, added burden on top of an already, uh, you know, explosive burden of uh, things that we had to do. And again, I think it's it's um, it's 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 just a lot of make work to have to go through all of the steps uh, to accomplish the ICD-10 stuff. I think in in many ways, it's certainly better for billing, right? Um, so that uh, you get a more accurate representation of what you've actually done. On the other hand, I didn't go to medical school to become a biller, uh, and so that burden, I think, needs to be uh, elsewhere.
0: In our first episode, we talked with Maureen Clancy about how the front office staff can be the key to making sure a practice runs efficiently. So from the perspective of a physician, what should practices invest in with regards to the front office to make sure doctors have the time that they need with their patients?
1: Yeah, I think most of the practices that I meet are not set up for uh, this modern world. And so they have uh, people in roles that in the past Um, were appropriate but in the future perhaps a little less appropriate it doesn't mean that those that the people doing the old roles can't do the new roles but I think most practices need help in improving the workflow in their office um, and in really uh, trying to organize that workflow so that when the physician receives uh, information it's organized in a fashion that's actually immediately helpful uh, to figure out what to, what to do with the patient, um, to know what needs to happen next. For instance, if a patient has or has not gotten a mammogram or colon cancer screening, the doctor shouldn't have to be searching for that information. Someone up front should have already done that. So, in the clinical flow of an office, um, a, a uh, enhanced workflow is very very important. That that often is. Uh, Difficult to do, but with a little bit of help, it can be done fairly well. And the second thing is in this very complicated billing business. I think the, the office staff needs to be trained to ensure that the appropriate payment for the service uh, will occur. That's not just a after-the-fact uh, uh, proposition. You can't just wait for everything to be done and then figure out the right bill. You have to actually do it up front so you know what the patient uh, you know, has uh, coverage for, doesn't have coverage for, what steps need to be taken to perform certain uh, activities. I think like what, even, even to the point of a, of a formulary, the, the more you can build that into your office processes and into your electronic medical record, uh, the better off you'll be. So I do think we need, um, you know, certainly medicine has changed. Mm-hmm. Most private practices haven't. So that match has to occur sometime to make these practices efficient.
0: So we're talking about changes in healthcare with respect to technology as a burden on doctors, but it also can be a huge help with managing patients. For example, Privia doctors use patient portals as a way of increased interaction you know, with the people that they serve. So how are doctors making the most of technology to have a better relationship with their patients?
1: So I think it, it, it can be helpful in many ways. Uh, I think maybe one of the most important things for physicians is to begin to to take control of this process so that actually um, the goals of, of uh, the new technology are related to improving the care of a patient and improving the life of a physician. So I think if you have, uh, for instance, an electronic medical record, I think mostly shouldn't have to be touched by a doctor, but if it does have to be, then then it ought to be as efficient as possible in helping a doctor decide what might be the best thing to do, preventing them from doing something wrong. I'd say, you know, a serious medication interaction or allergy. Um, And then helping them choose... Um, the right place for a patient to go, both as far as quality goes, number one, and in, in, the, in the future of value-based uh, care, uh, also the lowest cost one, as long as for sure it's of equal value. I think that it's it's uh, the, the true value of something is kind of the quality that is provided over the cost, and uh, the higher the cost is, the lower the value. So, If you have your tools set up to help a doctor get to the right conclusion, the safest conclusion, the most appropriate evidence-based care, um, that is going to improve the doctor's uh, life. I think some of the things that are happening now that will help also are, you know, especially with the technological advances in voice recognition. Physicians may in fact be able to practice without really interacting with an EMR between them and the patient and that personal relationship uh, can come back.
0: In a past episode of The Break Room, we talked about the overwhelming bipartisan support for MACRA and value-based care. We can expect that doctors will need to figure out the best way to succeed in an evolving regulatory environment. What do you say to those doctors who feel burnt out and are just trying to figure out the best way to succeed in a complicated industry?
1: Well, I give a lot of advice. (laughs) So the first piece of advice I give is, it's time for uh, us as physicians to get uh, get together and really assume um, responsibility, accountability, and control over the practice of medicine know that's a little bit of a of a high-level way of approaching this because it seems like a, just a much more frightening way to go. But I think in the end, that's going to be the right solution. So if physicians were in control, the focus would be uniquely on the outcome of the patient. And we would, of course, expect to report quality measures. Most of those measures would be outcome-related, um, some of them would be cost-related because, as I said, you know, outcomes and cost uh, define real value in medicine. But I think the burden of, of all of these different things would, would be diminished. So that, that's, um, that's one thing. The second thing is you got to recognize reality. Um, it doesn't matter what the government does. The people who pay for health care have pretty much had it. Uh, The percentage of uh, dollars that we spend on health care is continuing to increase. Even with all of the things we've done uh, in health care, the accountable care organizations, uh, risk contracting, still the overall cost of health care in both commercial and government is going up. Um, So we have to recognize that the things that we need to do are are not gonna go away. The the people who pay for this are not gonna say, okay, let's go back to the same old system. If they do, they will likely pay us less and less and less for each thing we do. And in the end, um, being a physician will will be a a much different job than it has been historically. And the the next thing I, I think is in getting together, using uh, the organizational strength to improve uh, the, the, um, the position of the doctor here. I think doctors ought to be making uh, decisions. They ought to be um, you know, in that relationship of trust with patients. Um, their value is, is great there, um, but they shouldn't be doing a lot of work that really isn't doctor related. I think what we talked about just a minute ago with the office staff, um, uh, as well, the, the whole model of that office staff needing to change, but also a little bit of change on the doctor's side to start working with their staff uh, as a team, uh, not really people who are, you know, doing the job you tell them to do, but people who have a job that they are so engaged in that they're going to do the right thing by a patient, whether you're there or not. Um, and um All of those things, I think, are are what will eventually um, get doctors over this hump. I don't think it will ever be easy. I want to say that. I think this is really a tough job, and there's no way to make it an easy job. I just think it can be a much more um, rewarding job if the physician is actually, you know, doing the things that they were trained to do. And in that position of trust, ensuring that uh, the patient is taken care of the best way that they can be taken care of.
0: As our senior physician executive, you're currently located in Texas and you're seeing our work up close and personal with doctors on a range of topics, including population health, EMRs, and revenue cycle management. What improvement have you seen among the Privia doctors in your particular area?
1: Um, I think, you know, Doing the stuff that we do is very difficult, I think. We ask a lot of doctors to change their electronic medical record. Um, we, we help them. Um, we don't tell them what to do, but we help them improve the process and flow in their office. And all of that kind of change is difficult. Um, but as we have progressed through that, the physicians are becoming uh, increasingly supportive of what we're doing, beginning to see the positive effects uh, both with their patients Uh, and with their own life. Um, So I think we're making a a very positive effect. But I would say, let's just step back and say, prove it. And I would say, I've been here just about a year, uh, and we have now about 145 uh, doctors. And we're the second largest medical group uh, in Houston, Texas, that is not affiliated with a university or a, a health system. So of the independent groups, number two in the city, um, in about a year. That means to me people are looking uh, for uh, something better than their current condition and that the word on the street is that Privia is providing that in a, in multiple different ways, both in improving their, their financial well-being, the patient care, and um, the processes in their office that they're so unhappy with.
0: Last question is, what kind of relationship can the doctor foster with extended care teams, so that's pharmacists, nurses, to help with managing their workload when it comes to, you know, dealing with, you know, the amount of patients they're seeing day in and day out?
1: Uh, uh, Also an important question because I think, again, these teams, both the team that we talk about in the office and the team, the extended team that's helping, uh, need to be um, need to have a relationship with the practice and with the physician uh, of a team, so that everybody is working for the same goal. Uh, it may not be you know instead of a pharmacist just delivering information about um, a particular medication, actually they're delivering that in the context of a patient with a problem, where the goal is to make that patient better, or make the patient have a lower cost or fewer complications those kinds of things, so that it's not so much that your role is what's important. It is the functioning of the team that is most important. So I'll tell you in my own practice, I'm a gastroenterologist, and gastroenterologists occasionally do dangerous things. They can, uh, they can harm people with complications. They can also miss things on, on a procedure. And I would sit with my team, every case, make sure I had all the information on the patient that was provided to me by my office staff and they knew that that was critical for the patient. So it was rare that I that I had to, to go look for that stuff. But, um, and then I would talk to the team about what the patient was there for, um, what I expected to find, what could happen during the procedure, what sorts of things might I need to do, even if I wasn't sure I was going to do them but I might have to do them if they were particularly dangerous to make sure we had the equipment up front and then the simplest thing was when we were doing the endoscopy anybody in the room could stop me uh, and say Dr. Fernandez I think you missed something there or could you go back and look at this area I don't think we saw it well enough or the anesthesiologist could say no Dr. Fernandez I'm not going to give the patient any more medicine I think they've had enough right now Um, And all in uh, just a fantastic team um, effort uh, to make sure that we did the best thing by that patient. And I have to say, that was so much more fun than being the boss. It was just so much more fun, you know, having people help you. I think we took really great care of the patients. And I know my teams love to come to work just like I did. So I think that's the kind of relationship we need to foster in healthcare. Uh, because it is such an important job, and the greatest companies, even outside of healthcare, do the same thing.
0: We want to say thank you to Dr. Fernandez for joining us today to talk about physician burnout. You can find his blog post at blog.priviahealth.com. Again, that is blog.priviahealth.com. Thank you for listening to The Break Room. If you want to subscribe to future episodes, you can find us at go.priviahealth.com slash The Break Room, or you can find us on iTunes to rate today's episode. You can also reach the Privia team at 888-996-0232. Thanks so much.